1: every little bit helps and again thank you for listening
2: how's everybody doing good awesome how's the convention for everybody so far right. fantastic i love this convention more than any other convention i've been to some big ones i've gone to ones that people would be impressed with this is by far my favorite by far let's go ahead and get started my name is brian huss i am a film critic for 30 years, uh, filmmaker, um, I've produced uh, well over a 1,000 podcasts at this point, um, i uh, screenwriter. Uh, just this last year, uh, I placed 10th in the New York City Short Screenplay Contest, just a couple of, yeah, I was, it's like 1,500 people, so I was really super stoked about that. Uh, and I just finished a screenplay, like, literally days ago, that I think is probably the best thing I've ever written. So. Uh, and I come here to get in the right mind frame to write and talk about things that I love like horror. So that's me.
1: I'm Jill Knowles. Um, I write horror and dark fantasy. And I think the other relevant thing is I just so happens I work at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> and we just had Halloween. And so I've got a whole bunch of books that I think will fit with our um, our discussion that I can recommend. I
3: Uh, My name is John Warner Jacobs. I'm uh, a novelist. I've written eleven—I don't know—around eleven novels. Um, I am also a screenwriter. Um, My—I'm best known for my latest work, "Election Seething Hell." It's been optioned for television by the production company that did Black Panther by the screenwriter of Black Panther. Oh yeah. And. uh, my fiction has appeared in like Southwest Review and Playboy Magazine and various other places. Um, anyway, and I love horror. I love horror films and I love horror books and mm-hmm. I um, I like all the creepy stuff.
0: Hello, my name is Marty Catola. I'm a local filmmaker. I've made uh, five films over the last like, fifteen years or so. Uh, my fourth film is called Revenge of Zoe. It's currently on Tubi, where, where a lot of Nice. Movies are to watch. Two the best. And uh, my latest movie, Love Song of William H. Shaw. We shot some scenes for it here at Tuscan about three years ago, and so that'll yeah, finally yeah. be coming out early next year. And we're going to be showing some clips from it in the video room tonight. Awesome. Yeah.
3: What time? Oh, well, around ten o'clock. Oh, I'll, I'll, like I'll be. I'll be there. Cool. Sweet.
2: All right. So we're going to talk about some bold horror statements today. I love this. I've done this panel at so many different conventions and I really love this one. My first bold horror statement, right now, this very second, is the best that horror films have ever been in the entirety of the history of film, right now. And people go, well, how can you say that? It's a bunch of remakes and a bunch of you know reboots and reimagings and all that, right? If, if that's what you think, sure, maybe some of the mainstream stuff is, but there is a plethora of stuff out there. From lots of diverse voices uh, that are just giving me amazing stories from different perspectives that I could never even imagine in a million years uh, and it is just a wealth of movies out there right now so I'm just gonna li- just these are just ones from like th- uh, the last year or so Wendell and Wild, which is on Netflix Werewolf by Night which is fucking amazing oh my god Deadstream Dark Glasses the new Dario Argento um, there's a bunch of like trash filmmakers that I love psycho Don't Fuck in the Woods, one and two, both on Tubi. You should watch them. Karis Hell and Karis Hell the Second, about a killer uh, unicorn that's on a carousel. So, yes, that's really a thing. Um, The new Hellraiser is amazing. After 30 years of getting kicked in the teeth, we finally get a good Hellraiser. Uh, Barbarian, when the screaming starts, glorious, bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, Pussycake and Pennywise the story of it are both on Screenbox right now it's a great service if you've never heard it. Uh, Prey was pretty good I think people like Prey. Um, The Black Phone, Hellbender, The Stylist, Lucky, Malignant, The Night House, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, The Empty Man, Vicious Fun, where I could just keep going for like the rest of this time and just talk about these movies. but again, it's like diverse voices. I've, I've seen so many people of uh, color get opportunities to write and direct movies. Um, I'm seeing a lot of trans filmmakers get opportunities now. That, I, that would have never… There's an 18-year-old uh, trans girl in Australia, Australia named uh, Alice… Shit, that's going to bother me. But um, she made a movie called So Vamp that's on Shudder. It's amazing. She just finished another movie that I just saw at a film festival. It's even better. She's 18 years old. I'm furious at how like talented she is. I was like, what? You're this focused at 18 years old? What are you doing? So I say right now is the best time that we've ever had for horror movies.
1: And I would, I would put the same out there for fiction. The, there are so many books out that are just incredible. They're from the uh, Native Americans. There's some amazing, amazing Native American horror out there. There's some funny stuff. There is. It's just really unique takes on the things that scare us. And I, it's, it makes me so happy.
2: So, what do you guys think? Is right now the best time for
3: horror? I've not noticed it. You've not noticed it? Not noticed it? I, I agree with your general <laughs> statement because it's um, horror, and I think a lot of the success of horror fiction um, is cross-fertilized by the success of horror films Mm -hmm. and television. Mm -hmm. Um, So it gets people into the world, uh, into, like, sort of liking horror. I think it's really, I I, I think uh, one of the things that really is the driving motivator for diverse voices in horror is Jordan Peele's ascent. Oh, God. Um, What a um, godsend he he was. Like, you can't talk about, like, the rise of of modern Mm -hmm. horror without addressing you know, the um, Jordan Peele's effect of, like, using horror as, like, obvious social commentary. Even though George Romero was doing it, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 40 40 years years ago. But, I mean, he drove it home Mm -hmm. for more diverse voices. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot going on. And also, traditionally, you can make, uh, you know, a horror, there's a couple of movies that you can make that are real cheap, yeah. You're going you have a bunch of teens and a bucket of blood and a knife and a mask in, in, a, in a single location, and you can make a horror movie, right? I mean, traditionally, a cabin in the woods, right? Um, but And there's crime, which is horror's sort of kissing cousin. Yeah. Um, and porn. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Because like a, a lot of horror
1: <laughs> has... You know, the sexual overtones.
3: Yeah, -hmm. Yeah, the sex equals death. Don't fuck in the woods. Yeah, don't fuck in the
2: woods. One and two. There's two of them. I really want to see that It's really good.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think uh, film, just in general, is probably at the best place it's ever been right now. Just across the board with all the genres. They all kind of feed into each other. You know, the same people work on all the different movies anyway. But, yeah, I think it's just been a great time. Of course, you get a lot of... Garbage along with sure, but that's just because there's more of everything.
2: You get oversaturation for sure because it's largely democratized now. The digital revolution made it so that everybody can make films, Mm -hmm. you know, and so because of that, everybody can make films now. So you sometimes can get lost in the crowd, but it's I think it's great because like it gives everybody an opportunity.
3: Yeah, it's um, but there's a law, and I can't remember the guy who made it up. But it's like ninety percent of everything is crap, right? Right. Uh-oh. He's got to find the good stuff. Yeah, but also like the the thing about crappy horror though is <laughs> <still enjoys horror. laughs> sure. mm-hmm. it's still enjoyable. Sure. You know, like pizza. I, yeah. You know, it's like, like even
2: pizza. a bad pizza's not that bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. still pizza. That's a cry,
1: folks. <laughs> there's so there's so many bad martial arts movies out there, but, oh. but even the bad ones
2: are wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I I love. I, I'm just. So in awe of anybody that can make a film. Like, make any film that exists is a miracle. It really is. It's so hard to make a film and to get that that many collaborators to do one thing and then get it released and get distribution on top of that. So, yeah, I see those movies that have zero production, but and I still love them because like somebody put their heart and soul into that. You know, it's, I think it's great. What's your first bold horror statement?
1: Um. One of the books, uh, if there's two of them so far that are really interesting, and I've not, I've seen it done. I've never seen it done really well. Um, there is a wonderful comedic horror. Probably going to be a third, at least, four and a fourth book. Um, Kira Jane Buxton. Hollow Kingdom is the first book. Feral Creatures is the second book. It's a zombie apocalypse as told from the point of view of a pet crow. And so (laughs) it looks at how... And it's silly. I mean, and there's parts that will make you laugh so hard you snort. There are many parts. But there are also some scary parts, and it really makes you think. What happens to all those nuclear nuclear power plants when there's no more humans to run? Well... (laughs) things go wrong you know what happens to the poodle that's locked inside and the owner's just got eaten by a zombie how do we save that poodle so it's it's a unique take on just how much impact humanity has had on this planet and how quickly that can just go wrong and then nobody cares and you just go on and uh, I, I feel like it's they're really fun, they're really funny, incredibly well written, and you will be thinking about everything you see around you after you read them. So I feel like that was pretty cool to look at it from a humorous perspective. I like that.
2: I like the idea of a pet crow having <laughs> his about name, everything. His name is Shit turd.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but everybody calls him uh-huh, yeah, S T. But
3: yeah. Who are you? uh, I I think one of the things that I noticed when you were reading off, uh, I find that most of the horror that I tend to really gravitate to—I'm not saying that you know it's my favorite—but are is South American and Asian horror Um, because they're doing things like incredible. You know, I think the great part about South American and Asian horror is they haven't really sort of bought into the three act. Hollywood mm-hmm. structure, so you get these tales that, that sort of break form, right? Mm-hmm. And that's great because it's different. And you know, I want different things. Mm-hmm. So there's like Mexican filmmakers and Argentinian uh, horror filmmakers, like uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is a beautiful. Is, oh, I love it's, her so it's, much. It's, it is a uh, brutal this. and love beautiful this. movie yeah. in turn. Uh, I mean, it's art. Like it's like it elevates it. Um, there's a movie. There's an Argentinian movie, and you probably know the the director. I can't remember, but um, it's called not Terrifier, but terrified. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, it's a, It's it's about a haunted neighborhood, yeah. not a house, but it's fantastic. And, and um, there's scary as fuck. There. Yeah, it's very very frightening, and I just feel like. Um, they're doing really interesting things. Indonesian horror is, mm-hmm. is hot. Like uh, Satan's Slaves, yep. the remake, Jokar uh, Anwar, yeah, and um, and uh, uh, what's the one? Um, the Devil May Take You, or uh,
2: yeah. the, De- the Devil May Take You, I think. Yeah, and it's the Devil May yeah. Take You Two, Two, yeah,
3: which which is like a, a Indonesian Gonzo Evil Dead movie. Yeah, and it's exactly it's like amazing, it I, mm-hmm. like. Um, but they don't—they don't travel down those predictable paths that you expect them to. Um, they're weird. They're different, and uh, I really like that. So I think those are like what I'm really gravitating towards.
2: Yeah, the, the three act structure is—I'm not—it's not, not going to go away. No, because it's it's traditional, and most people like that storytelling. But what I really love about this new generation of filmmakers is they don't give a shit about the rules, right? They are going to do what they want to do and uh, one of my favorite things that's come out of like this this style of filmmaking and the streaming revolution is 75-minute movies where it's like it's the story there's no fat it's like this is what the story is and it's done right we don't have to worry about putting commercials in for when it's going to play on you know the saturday after we don't care about that shit anymore right it's that's not the model that we use you know and so like there's not a producer that's saying, "Well, that's got to be. That's got to have another 15 minutes so that we can package that." You know, with all the other movies that we sell, nobody cares anymore. You know, it's the same reason we get three-hour movies too. Um, you know, because like, you want to tell a three-hour story, and if you can tell a three-hour story, I'll I'll watch it. Drive my car, um, the movie from last year. It seems like that would be the most boring. And I was engrossed. I was just so torn. For those characters and like, just my heart is broken. It's it didn't seem like three hours at all. So like, I think the rules are just they're there, and like people are you're going to be probably more you know commercially successful if you follow the rules. But if you don't care, you can do whatever you want now, and I think that's great.
3: Yeah, in- indie films. It's mostly in, you know oh, yeah, it's outside for sure. of the studio machinery mm-hmm. and that's where the real interesting stuff happens uh, my my kid was like dad i'm thinking about going to film school and i was like don't go to nope. the film school i was like just go make a film yep and I do know. it in arkansas where i'm from yeah and, and like that's how you get in mm-hmm. and i promise you if you make it your first one will suck make a short film your second mm-hmm. one will suck less your third one will suck even less mm-hmm. and and then you, People from Hollywood would be calling you, to, yep. like that's the way in. You go out into the fields of America, or you know, you go out into the country mm-hmm. and make something, and it forces you to write well and to figure out how to use your resources. And that's how that's how you do it. I mean, I, you the, know,
2: the Terrifier people, Terrifier two that just came out, right? That they crowdsourced that, and it made ten million dollars on. You know, it's supposed to play three days. It's been. It's now seven weeks that it's been playing, um, and. Those are DIY guys from the East Coast. They are not; those aren't Hollywood guys, and they broke in in a big way, and may have changed the way that like Hollywood Hollywood looks at terms of like booking, you know, like movie theaters and stuff like that. And like, you're going to see people getting opportunities now because they made it for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it's made ten million bucks, and that's just they haven't even started selling the the physical media yet. And those people are rabid, so they're going to make another ten million probably on top of that for a movie that costs nothing. You know, I tell people all the time. People come up to me and they're like, "What film? St- what film school should I go to?" I'm like, "Take your camera on your phone and make a film, right?" If you go, to, I, I, I tell people if they go to film school, do it for the networking, do it for the collaborations. That's the only reason to do it now, yeah. because there's no there's you can find people that will in your. Your neighborhood your area whatever that will want to do it so just do it and he's right your first one's gonna suck and the second one will suck a little less and then once you've done it three or four times people go wow this is actually pretty polished and good And you know you seem to have the structure down you you can
3: uh, I have a perfect example of this trajectory and I always mess up their names because I have friends with names very similar Uh but it's like um, Aaron, Moorhead, and... Morehead and Benson, yeah. Benson. yeah. And um, so their first movie was called uh, Isolation or something That's, like that. Uh, Resolution. Resolution. And it was like a cabin in the woods type thing. But it had a clever premise, but it yep. was not a good movie. Uh, their second movie was... Uh, but you could see there was potential... Oh, yeah, break. yeah. Um, and it was like about an attic that was the, that there was, you know... Some he was trying st- to get them clean. Yeah. So and, they
2: go to this cabin in the woods and weird shit starts happening. Yeah.
3: And then the, their second one was much better. Mm-hmm. Their third one was amazing. The third that, one's called
2: The Endless. Yeah. And it's like one of the best Lovecraftian Cosmic horror movies horror. I've seen in ages. Right. And it's so subtle. Yeah. That's the best part is it's so subtle.
3: And then there, I think they might have had one. There was one called uh, Spring... It's yes. like a love story. Spring,
2: spring is my favorite of theirs, yeah. and it's it is it's it's a love story about a guy who falls in love with a girl who might be a squid. Yeah, you know. I mean, but
3: so like the, they keep getting better, and they're all do they're all DIY outside of the studio system. But now they're they are they've been they just directed the moon. Knight. Moon night, yeah. They yeah. brought him
2: in because like. They deal with time and a lot of their stuff and Moon Knight deals with time and they're like, Well who can direct something about time? They go out and they get these guys who are making nothing movie like resolution costs what, five thousand dollars Yeah, what a, yeah. It's one room yeah. with two people. There's no budget to that at all.
3: And oh and that, they, they and act these- in their movies too. Yeah, oh yeah, they act and in they, their own movies. They, they yeah. do all they're actually posts. quite great. You yeah. know,
2: I'm like they show up in other people's movies yeah. now. Um, but like Disney was like, Yeah, let's go give those guys a shot, you know? Making a five thousand dollar movie. and Now they're doing Disney stuff.
1: And I feel like, more so than any other time, it's the field is wide open. Wide open. There's you can do you can do a movie or a book. Um, there's it, it. I love this book because the title makes people so uncomfortable. Um, there's a wonderful book by a Native American author called "The The Only Good Indians."
3: Yep, Stephen Graham Jones. And yeah,
1: yeah. and it's so different than what we would normally see, but it's a fabulous book. Um, There's a new one, I have not actually read it yet. I have. um, No, I have read that one, Uh, but uh, there's a new one called um, White Horse.
3: Yes. That just came out last Tuesday. Just came out, yeah. yeah.
1: And um, again, Native American woman whose mother abandoned her when she was only a few days old. She inherits a bracelet. It has her mother's spirit attached to it, so her mother didn't abandon her, and it tackles a little bit on the edge of the um, missing and murdered Indigenous women and that huge, huge problem, and taps right into it. And it's just it's so good.
2: There's a movie called Blood Quantum that does very similar. It's a it's a Native American zombie movie, and the Native the Native Americans don't get attacked and they can't understand why. Um, and so, and it's it's in Montreal, I think, because that was where a lot of the indigenous, like the, where they were just trying to strip them of their identities yeah. and, you know, send them to the state schools and stuff. And that's where all the mass graves are and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it's like indigenous filmmakers directing indigenous people. And it's a, it's, oh, it's just like. So unique for a zombie, movie. like I was so blo- like blown away, or like.
3: That Train director to unfortunately just died. Oh, that's such a um. bummer.
2: But like Train to Busan is another one. There, you know, like they just they have this really different, you know, look at like what a zombie movie can be. Like I've never <laughs> cried in a zombie movie before. I, I cried like a baby in <laughs> you know, Train to Busan. Um I, It's just incredible. So yeah, I agree. Awfully <laughs> <be> quiet over <I'll, laughs>
0: You know, just letting you guys go. Uh, so my first love uh, of film has always been horror movies. They're the reason I'm a filmmaker. But I always ended up gravitating more towards comedy instead because back in the 80s, they always told us, you know, in Fangoria, do not start by making a horror film. You will be pigeonholed in the right. genre forever. Right. And, and you'll never be able to make anything else. But now it feels like that's not the stigma as much anymore. Now that you're seeing comedians go into making horror films, right. it feels like, hey, this is a perfect time to cross over. And you know, my next project, one of my next projects, actually is going to be a, a horror movie. So it just seems like the, the time to. Uh, oh
2: to yeah, uh, uh, um, so, uh, Hotel Six 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 was that what it was called? What was the Food Fighters? Oh yeah, I still Studio Six Six Six. Yeah. So, yeah. It yeah. Is very fun
0: but I want to do something that kind of, like you're saying, the rules are out the window, yeah. and, and just play with the, a movie about, I like movies about filmmaking, about the process, yeah. and so I'd like to mix something up with how the rules of making the horror movies have changed into the movies. Not so much a screen thing, but a little, <coughs> a little different than that. Yeah,
2: there's definitely opportunity for that, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And
0: also, like you were saying about the film school, yeah, there really isn't much of a reason to go outside of networking. I mean, with 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 every movie available at your fingertips, you can watch every old movie and listen to every commentary mm-hmm. track out there and pick up stuff that way.
3: But it's also like it's easier to, to network when you have a product. Oh yes. So if you you know <laughs> like if you make a, a short like a short yep. film, you go to like it's a calling card. Yeah, yeah, you go to conventions and enter them and. And, and each convention's little film fest. And,
2: I've literally you know. done this, I did this for $100. <laughs> and they'll just, you did that for $100? Yeah, I did that for $100. I mean, it took a lot of planning or whatever, but yeah. I, you know, yeah, it's I do that all the, the time.
3: You know, yeah. not, your, not your time, but yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, so I say consistently from installment to installment, Child's Play is by far the best of any horror series. I don't think it's even close. I think other series have the higher highs, and other series definitely have the lower <laughs> lows for sure. Um, but like the consistency of Child's Play from the very beginning all the way through the Chucky series, that's Really really fun on USA. I haven't caught up on season two yet, but season one is awesome Um,
0: It's because it's all done. Yeah, yeah, exactly and that
2: that was the point I was gonna make is it's been consistently the same writer or director the whole time and I just think that that's where I think a lot of the messiness gets involved with the series like Halloween or Friday the 13th. I think they finally fixed the Friday the 13th thing. I think they're <laughs> gonna start coming out again. So um, that was pretty wild, um, the taking back of the rights and stuff like that. That was something I never saw in a million years. Um, but um, because it's a different creative team for you know this Friday the 13th movie versus that Friday the 13th movie, and they want the mask to look a little bit different, they want Jason to move a little bit different, and they want, you know, Michael to hold his knife this way instead of that way, you know, and do the, the head tilt or what, You know, they all want to put their little, you know, idiosyncrasies on it. And so a lot of times what happens is they just dump a bunch of stuff on top and hope that it's, you know.
1: And horror is one of the few places you can really get away with meta.
2: Oh, yeah. Is, you
1: know, Cabin in the Woods. Think of um, the, the final nightmare, mm-hmm. you know, which when they figure out that, that no, Freddy's actually gotten loose into our world, and and it works. And it works well. And you can just, you can do any, there's a wonderful, wonderfully terrible uh, 80s horror flick called They Live. It's not it, terrible.
3: No, it's it's, terrible. it's terrible like, What gorgeous. are you talking about? <laughs> I was to say, with, you know,
1: Ray-Bans that, that make it so you can see the aliens. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it poor, has the single best line ever.
2: Poor, uh. John Carpenter, like I know that he's like a super, like everybody loves him now, right? And he's a but rock he does star. So much crap. He <laughs> got beat up for so many years, and all the guy did was make ten classic movies, you know, all time classic movies. I mean, if you look at like Halloween or The Thing, or um, you know, In the Mouth of Madness, which I, I oh, think is the, brilliant. I think that's the best Lovecraftian movie ever made, right? Um, all that guy did was just turn out classic after classic. And nobody would go to his movies like what you know and like now we go back and look at you know somebody asked him they were like you know how how is it feel you know to have the thing you know re-examined now as like a class he's like I mean I guess that's great now but like it certainly didn't help me make any movies then you know um, and so like you know he's one of the reasons you know like every time there's a sequel and you know like I'm not a huge fan of the new Halloween movies for a myriad of reasons um, but, like, I always think of John Carpenter holding his hand out, and he said the check just magically appears. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine. You know, Hollywood uh, Halloween ends can be a huge piece of shit. That's fine. John Carpenter still got his money, you know. And I can ignore it and just it, pretend like it's the first one exists. And I don't even know what that is. So, But, yeah. Poor John Carpenter.
1: I can But he's still... So-
2: Brilliant. Really, yeah. yeah, but he's a little prickly. I, I'm sure he didn't do himself any favors, you know, because he's not the the most uh, social guy in the world, and it, it's just kind of a grumpy old man. But I might be grumpy too if he I made all those. It. Yeah, if I made all those classic movies, and people are just like, I might be a little hurt about it too.
0: Yeah, he never recovered from that uh, uh, Invisible Man
2: movie Did I mean
1: Stephen King was on um,
2: he's supposedly he's supposedly he, directing a new movie so I don't know if that's true or not but
1: he was on Stephen Colbert and he was asking about how you know how does it feel to be you know the the, Godfather the writer of, of yeah you know and get run all these accolades now you know and when, when you started out there were so many nasty things written about you and Stephen King said I'm still alive and they're all dead. <laughs>
2: and it was wonderful. Yeah, I asked John Waters a similar question, and he had a very similar answer. He's like, what do I care? Those guys are all gone, and I'm still here. Still going. Still
1: making movies.
3: What other bold horror statements do we have? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Well, why don't we
2: open up to some questions? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I was one hundred percent going to do that. So what? What about you guys? What do you guys think for both order statements? Yes, right here.
1: Uh, this is just something that you remarked on that's really easy to make a film. Uh, I remember long ago, some film professor told me that he warned us don't make. He warned us about not making your own films because it's you might get sued and you know you put your own money into it, you might lose it all and. Always buy log, insurance and be aware of liabilities. Is there? If you make a your own film, you feel
2: this danger, of, like something <laughs> like happening. Well, arrest. I don't think they're going to come and take the nothing that I have. So you know, <laughs> if that's what you're asking, um, like I'm not, by any stretch of the imagination, making boatloads of money off of my stuff. Um, I would quite honestly be surprised if anybody cared that much. Um, like I, so. The biggest thing um, for me, like there Lloyd Kaufman who has made movies for 50 years for trauma, um, has really one rule. you know it's make sure that everybody's safe and then make a good movie you know so like and that's really my only you know like I want to make sure that everybody and we do like I ran a live chainsaw in a house, I shot a shotgun in a house. I did all sorts of crazy shit that is very dangerous, but we made sure that, like, it was going to be safe when we did it. And, um, and I, I, I guess there's, like, no way to be 100% foolproof. You see, like, accidents happen with Alec Baldwin or, like, the crow, you know, all those years ago or whatever. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I can't be ruled by. Have you ever purchased what? insurance? No, nah, I mean I've never done anything that was like commercially relevant, so I don't think it was really. I mean, the filmmaking piece is more for me than anything else. So um, if I were to do it professionally, I would 100% make a LLC and do exactly what you're saying. Yeah, so, I,
0: I had to get liability on my last production because some of the locations I was shooting at demanded mm-hmm. that I have it. They were like, well, we can rent it to you if you get if you get the insurance. And, you know, it really wasn't that much. Yeah. We split it between all the different producers, and then it was kind of like, hey, we got insurance. Wow, we, you we feel you feel like a <laughs> real filmmaker, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah. The Ed Wood filmmaker. <laughs> I love Ed Wood filmmakers. And, and everybody
1: talks uh, shit about Ed Wood, but you know what? They're talking. We're about still Ed
2: watching Wood. his movies today. So. They're still good. I don't care what anybody says, I'll watch Friday of the Monster right now with anybody and <laughs> we'll have a fun time, I promise you. Who else has some over statements? Any?
3: I don't like slashers. Okay. Like you were like, uh, I like Chucky, yes. it's funny and it's absurd, but like Halloween, I'm like, uh, I, and I watch them, but mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, this is, this is too real for me. <laughs> like, I, a, still so, so, I like yeah, you know, I, I want a monster. Yeah, because it's easier me. to compartmentalize those things uh, yeah. for me. I don't need a, a reminder that there's maniacs that want, want to kill me for whatever reason. I'm always
2: able to, like, since I know it's not real, you know, if I'm watching something that was like, you know, like the Dahmer thing, right, that yeah. just came out on Netflix, bothered me to no end. Um, and it's just like, you know it happened, right, or whatever, but like, that, you know, I can watch Hostel, I can watch Saw, sure. I can watch all that, doesn't bother me one bit, right, or like the movies where, and there's, they are misogynist, misogynistic, a lot of them, um, and like I have to, you know, think about that stuff while I'm watching it. You have to be aware of those things. It's okay to watch problematic things as long as you know they're problematic, um, and so, but... Yeah, I totally get it. not like it's I mean, you know, the slashers are the non-cerebral part of horror, you know, um, and so, but part of me just loves watching people <coughs> run around with some crazy weapon, you know, trying to kill one another. Like so. that commercial where they go, no, get the that's movie. a yeah. bit. Underneath all the. Oh. Let's go hide <laughs> behind the chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: the, and the bad guys
2: like. Oh. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah back right. there. So my thing. Gore is not scary. Mm-hmm. Those are two and a lot of times you get into a movie and it's supposed to be a horror movie and it's just gory with blood and intestines
2: and the gross squishy sounds. Yeah. But I'm not scared, I'm just gross. Scared. Yeah, so picture. I wanna be scared. scared. Well there's I'm sort of like there's two different, you know, feelings for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get what you're saying, because it is just gross, right? I love gross movies. The grosser, the better, right? You know, drop drop buckets of intestines on me. I love it. Um, But um, to me, like, what I find sort of scary about the gore stuff is that that's really what's going on inside of me, you know? And so, like, seeing that viscera is just really... um, I don't know it's like it just puts me in that place I think you know of like you know and so feeling that uh, feeling of like experiencing it without experiencing it which is I mean ultimately what horror is all about you know Um, so yeah I but you know and then the other side of me is like I love the the really Sophomoric, silly ones from like the 70s, where it's just they went down to the butcher shop and go, Give me all of the whatever you got left over, we're making a horror movie, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't find gore score, uh, gore scary, um, for the most part. It, sometimes in body horror, it, it can be used effectively for that yeah. purpose. It's
1: just think the color out of space, yeah, so, yeah,
2: so I mean, be- yeah, because body horror does. Because the body horror to me is like your body rebelling against you. So that's you know how do we how do we look at something like cancer or something like that? You know it's super depressing if we just talk about cancer. But if like a color from space turns you into a monster, I think I, I think I can palette that and still get the allegorical references of like. My body betraying me.
1: I think gore can make scary more scary, but it can't replace
3: it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the the usually gore is. I mean, at this point, it's a trope. So it's yeah. like, like um, it's you know, you got you have kills, you know, kill counts, mm-hmm. and people, you know, and it's it's a very. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if, if I'm going to say is a um, juvenile way of looking at it. But, you know, horror movies are traditionally marketed to young people. That They're they're about young people. It's rare that horror movies... You see that more nowadays. Yeah. Horror about... So horror movies are usually ageist. They're only focused on the teen, you know, the, the, the sexually active. It's rare that you have Stories about adults, and the ones that you do have stories about are really effective. Like um, the, my mom just died of dementia, and so I watched this really? movie um, with um, is the the taking of oh the Sarah taking Logan, of
2: De- De- yeah Deborah Logan. Deborah
3: Logan. It's yeah. about a woman who is losing her faculties, um, or is she or is she possessed, or, or like you know possessed by some entity? You don't know. And I was like, God damn, this is this is too hard for me, you know, like because I was going through it with my mom. But um, yeah, to your point, uh, like gore—I don't think gore is inherently scary. It's kind of the money shot. It's like oh, uh-huh, you yeah. laugh, like it's, it's the a it's a it's actually a release mm-hmm. of yeah. tension, you know. It's like so you have these moments like in music of tension and release, like you build the tension and then. It's released so that you can build to the next little cres- crescendo, and it's effective in that way. But uh, for me, the scary things are always the things that are unspoken and unseen.
1: Well, yeah, I'm thinking. You know, the classic horror novel is The Haunting of Hill House.
2: Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and whatever walks there walks alone.
2: The original but scares the shit out of me this day.
1: Yeah, you never know. In the book, is it? Did it really happen?
2: Or, is it, all in or is it
1: all in? Is this somebody losing their mind? Mm-hmm. Is this a collective, you know, like mass hysteria thing? It's it's so well done, and it's never on camera. The horror is almost never on mm-hmm. camera. It is just insidious, yep. and it's it's check the cat scary. Yeah, it's you. You I, read that book. You hear a noise, and you check the cat. Yeah, <laughs> the right. cat doesn't freak out. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I want to piggyback off of what you said about adult horror because, like, I think we're really having a renaissance of adult horror right now. Um, Like, there's just stuff that really speaks to, you know, like, the horrors of aging. Like, Relic is, you know, you were talking about Deborah Logan. There's a movie called Relic that is uh, just incredible about dementia. Same thing,
3: where it's just, like,
1: it will rip your
3: heart out and Yeah, on it. it's, yeah. Um, well, oh, okay, anything for Jackson. Yeah. Oh, uh, and this is, this is a funny side note, but the filmmaker of that makes a Hallmark films. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He makes these... Confections, these like sugary Hallmark movies, and then he goes and he's like, Well, this is what I really want to do. The, and he you'd made. You'd be
2: surprised the overlap. Yeah. You would be surprised because how many people do Hallmark movies and horror movies back to back all the time.
1: But the folks that own Harlequin are the, the same people that own um, the Executioner book series for oh, guys. Yeah. Same yeah.
2: company. Um, but, um, another really good, um, adult horror movie is The Night House, deals with grief. Um, my friends, I mean, this is one of my, so, I didn't get into, like, talking and networking with all these people to, you know, like, no famous people, but, like, my friends who wrote this movie called, um, oh shit, I forget what the first one was called, um, but they they wrote the Night House and then they wrote the new Hellraiser, right? Um, and the new Hellraiser is like this really heartbreaking. Massive, Bruckner. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and um, yeah, Bruckner's the director, and um, Luke uh, Pietrowski and Ben Collins are the writers. Um, Luke Pietrowski was the guy who convinced me that I should get a writing partner because I we would we would talk and I just you know tell him these things and he's like. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I just bounce off of Ben. He's like, You sound exactly like me. You're, you want it to be perfect. And Ben just wants that shit out as fast as, fo- as possible. And he's like, Get a writing partner. They will help you. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Well, I have I guess.
3: one for screenplays. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, and I did it. And it immediately made me a better writer. Like, it was unbelievable. I just couldn't even, be- I just, and I thought writing is such a solitary, you know, um, hobby or focus or whatever, you know, and it's really not. You know, like, one of the, my favorite things about this convention is the networking and meeting all these people and being able to bounce ideas off of people because, like, we do it all the time. Um, I can tell you right now that the the best person that I ever got to bounce ideas off of I got from this conference. So, and it's just, you know, putting yourself out there and, uh, you know, being open and, like, I say, keep your skills sharp. That's another thing that I like to tell people. Um, I don't, you know, I like to write a lot. I like to edit a lot so that when I do jump into making a movie or writing a screenplay or something like that, I'm not starting from scratch. You know, I'm, I got a running start already. You know, I'm not get, I'm not shaking the rest off. It's just like, let's do this. You know, let's go.
3: I think it's important to note that, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I want you to. Right. I feel I did the, oh, I did this
2: to him in the first panel we did together <laughs> yeah. too. I feel, I'm, I'm, I'm director. director. I just, uh, just you stand back and response. watch. It. Well, yeah. well, maybe maybe yeah. you can, uh, <laughs> this,
3: I, I think whatever. Like if you're gonna, I think writing is the most important thing on a small budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're you know I, I think if you're if you're making movie and this this tended towards rather than writing like prose and fiction, it's tended more towards uh, film. Mm-hmm. But. Um, uh, the The one way you can really exceed your budget is by spending more time in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and understanding and I think you know honestly what you're talking about it made me think we were talking about Carpenter, mm-hmm. him, his early movies failing probably helped him oh, because, I'm sure it did. because it forced him to work within these per, parameters of budget yep. in, in creative ways. And that's the most important thing. So, like, I, like I have a screenplay that we're about to be in production for, and I wrote it distinctly in one for one location, which I own, and uh, for three actors, and that's it. Like, and just like I knew my resources, I know, like, I, you know, I I knew exactly what I could get a hold of. And everything else is written within those parameters, and it forced me to be as creative as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really important. Like what it, what makes um, these indie films, the Benson and Morehead, like their writing is really good, phenomenal. You know, and um, same and I think thing with
2: Piotrowski and Collins that I was just talking about. That's that's their bread and butter, the writing. Dark Times is the first movie I knew it would just oh yeah that's a good that. that's
3: a good one yeah, yeah kids on bikes yeah. except dark
0: <laughs> Yeah. You know, the limitations make you more creative yeah. yeah I totally believe that I do too it's kind of like the chart is it's like a pyramid or a triangle you've got time you got money and then you got quality yep. and so one of them's gonna suffer right yeah yep. and so when you don't have any money
3: and You can see where that that chart goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, cheap, fast, and good.
2: Pick two. Yep. Pick two. <laughs> and if you can do two, you can make it. You can make it work. I promise you. Because I've done. I have done stuff that I'm proud of. On zero doubt. Like I, the most money I spent was the pizzas that I bought for my crew. Literally, that was the most money I spent. Oh, You're
1: yeah, talking you about quality. People will
2: be more than that yes. the
1: time. Um, It just so happened that the year we had Joe Lansdale as our guest of honor and I'm a huge fan of his and one of the movies made from one of his short stories is Bubba Hotel which if you've never seen it brilliant, you guys. brilliant see and Bruce it just Campbell. so happened that at work we had a book signing with Bruce Campbell who played the lead character in that and so I have signatures for both of them on the DVD and I was showing it to Bruce and he said I loved being in this movie because the writing was so good and you know this is this is a guy who's bread and butter is B movies.
2: Getting smashed yeah. in the and face with stuff.
1: Yeah, and you know, yeah. I believed
2: Ossie Davis was JFK. I believe oh, that. <laughs> I believe that one hundred percent. It's a great movie. Because
1: it it that's I what a movie
0: Tomorrow
2: in the video.
3: Program. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Show You laugh yeah. the first
1: way, and it, the first time you watch it, you laugh all the way through, and the second time you watch it, you cry. You know, it's just the it, the writing is so good. You realize it,
2: it's in a, a it's a real roller coaster. Yeah, it really is just fabulous, fabulous
1: movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and such a unique, crazy, wonderful story. Anything you know? by Joe Lansdale. Oh right. yeah, His, he's, uh, he's great. Yeah. Um, His horror. John is dies amazing. at the end. Is him too, right? No, Maybe that's David Wall. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Although, if you're looking for a great. Funny horror. Uh, John dies at the end. Is the first book, <laughs> the best t- book title ever. Um, this book is full of spiders. Seriously, dude, don't touch it. Is the second book, and the third book, the third book is what the hell did I just read?
3: Yeah, and that author's <laughs> name is actually he's gone to his, a real, yeah, his real real name. name Hargan. I can't remember his Something, first name. Yeah. D-A-R-G-I-N
1: But he yeah. writes. He it's the pseudonym of David Long because that's the main character in all right, of the yeah, books.
3: Yeah. But so. he got got a little flack yeah, for appropriating an Asian name and he's not Asian. So, um, and he should have gotten the flack, uh, you know. But um, but it was the character in the book. Yeah. It was a meta sort right. of a meta exploration of, the, of everything.
2: Don't be afraid to explore some of those things. Just be ready for the feedback, yeah. you know, or the blowback, or whatever it is. You can write about anything. <laughs> you just got to take the consequences that you do when you do. So
3: right. I, yeah, like in books, I'm like, I um, am fine with offending people. Mm-hmm. I just want to intentionally offend them and not inadvertently offend <laughs> them. And that's a matter of like awareness. So like uh, on this book, I, you know, I have some stupid readers because it deals with mm-hmm. like um, it deals with South American dictatorships and it mm-hmm. deals with like uh, the American South in like, the 30s. Like, I had to make sure it was read for... Because I don't want to inadvertently offend right. anybody, you know?
1: You want to deliberately.
3: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, uh, was,
1: the, the the five-star reviews, I love reading the five-star reviews. I love, you know, anybody who likes hitting prices really love the one-star reviews. Especially if they write a paragraph or two. Because I want to know, they hated my book. They really, really hated it. And here's why. And it's like, you know what? That you were paying
2: attention again. I I say to this day that a one star review is just as good as a five star review because you had a very specific reaction to it. <laughs> a strong reaction. I, I'll tell you right now. I can tell you movies that I hate, like that I've walked out of to this day, right? And I can tell you movies that I love. But my biggest cardinal sin of any movie is I don't remember anything about it ten That's minutes the later. You know, yeah. They're boring. Yep, yeah. and it's it's ninety percent of movies. No it's way. Just like, oh, that was a thing. <laughs> wow, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I just spent 90, 90 minutes doing that, I guess. Wow. And they all win Academy Awards.
1: <laughs> 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 you get the impression, my impression is that an awful lot for our films, there uh, are some gems that are coming out now, but there are also a lot of them are very bland and like cookie cutters, like the same thing I've seen again and again.
2: Yeah, it's always going to be the case. Um, there's just going to be a lot of people out there that aren't super creative, um, that have the resources available to them, um, and so they're just going to throw together something that's just sort of pedestrian, you know, and just kind of bland, like you're talking about.
3: But I think also it's because. Uh, Hollywood, if it's through the studio system, and it, it, Hollywood is risk averse, yes, yes. For sure. so that is why we get they remakes. Make
1: something that made money before, right? Exactly. So it's real close to
3: it. Like funny, funny story. Um, I'm friends with the. I'm not going to tell you the guy, but I'm friends with a, a, a screenwriter who wrote one of the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. and um, he was tasked or asked to. Um, Create, you know, what they're searching for are IPs, recognizable names. That's what they want. So when they remake, uh, you know, the Avengers, not the comic book, but like the Avenger spy, person, <laughs> or they remake the monsters or whatever, it's because it's a, a recognizable IP. And um, this screenplay writer was like, yeah, they asked me to. They did a bunch of focus groups, and the thing that everyone around the world is aware of. Uh, well, we want this to be a vehicle for Chris Evans, but everyone around the world is aware of the Bermuda Triangle. Everyone in the world knows the Bermuda Triangle it has great IP, but no no stories about. So we're gonna we want you to write a screenplay about the Bermuda Triangle with Chris Evans in mind, right? And that's that's Hollywood, right? That's why you get these. You know, someone has to be attached. You know, you have to have an attached director, and then they have to focus group it and do a profit and loss to figure out. How is this going to make money? Like, like so they did focus groups in, in Asia, which is a big market. Like, like that's oh, yeah. where you make money. that's
2: Where you make all your money now? Yeah.
3: Um, so in Asia, everyone in Asia knows about the community Triangle. So it's it's you know it's it's a that's why you get designed by committee products, right? And that's why they suck. Sorry kid, I'm, we've been cursing and I forgot there's a kid in here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. And now you've made her cry. I know, it's like, well we talked
2: about that marble property some people are very sensitive about that. that. Yeah, <laughs> <are> <laughs> Oh okay okay. okay.
3: okay, good. But it is a <laughs> yeah, line. I mean yeah.
2: That's, that's what makes something like Blumhouse so great, is that he just gives um, an artist five million bucks, and he's like, I don't care, it's five million bucks, it's not gonna break me if I lose that. I can make, he's like, I can make the five million bucks back without a doubt, you know? So he's like, I'm gonna break even on this no matter what. So Jordan Peele, here's five million bucks, why don't you go make it up, you know? Change the whole thing. You and know?
3: What, what makes, made that incredible is in the writing. Yeah. Like, it, like, it, like the budget for that movie, couldn't have been, you know, I mean, obviously it's five million or whatever less, right. but five million or less. is the, the yeah. Blumhouse, you know. So I guess it would be fewer, fewer, yeah, yeah, you're right. But,
2: but yeah, so they'll take, you know, so they'll make some weird shit, you know, because like they just, we can make that bag, I don't care. Even if we just have to sell it to streaming or whatever, we can make a bag. That's they've done it on several of their titles yeah. already, or they're just like, ooh, this is maybe not a theatrical one, we can maybe
0: release that on Amazon Prime. And Another version of that is like, oh, let's make Tremor 7, and it can be an empty box with the Tremor's name on it. As long
2: as we don't spend over a certain
0: amount, we're guaranteed to make the money. Well,
2: it's what happened with um, (laughs) (sighs) Halloween Ends, right? Right. $45 the first weekend, right? Everybody, I don't, I mean, there are some people that like it. For general purposes, most people are very not happy with what they got. But it made $45 million the first weekend because it's Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you notice, it went to like $9 million the second weekend. It was like one of the biggest drops I've ever seen. you know. And the, the people were like, well, it's because it's on streaming, or it's on, you know, and it's like, well, the no, Halloween Kills on. was on streaming, on streaming too, day and day. Why didn't that kill the box? Was it because this one's shitty? You know, maybe, maybe, you know, but they don't care because like they didn't spend 45 million dollars on the new Halloween movie. So it's all gravy now, you know, they don't even, you know, like, yeah, just let Peacock have it now. Who cares? So it's just one of those things, you know? It's like a, it's a box that has, it has name value. That, That used to be a huge thing in the 80s and 90s. How many? silent night deadly night movies are there <laughs> five six There's a bunch. yeah <clears throat> who else has some bold horror statements well, anybody I say, I oh, like it?
1: your um just take your damn phone out and make something
2: oh yeah. yeah i mean what's the worst that's going to happen you don't have to show it to anybody if you don't like it if it's like embarrassing or whatever I certainly didn't show some of the early stuff that I did, or like the early stuff that I wrote, where I'm just like, yeah, that just needs to go in a box for me, and nobody else yep. doesn't see this ever. You know, <laughs> I wrote a book, and it's just fucking terrible. It is just, I like, it's it's sitting in a box in my house right now. I'm almost embarrassed that I wrote it, but you know, like it's one of those things. Like I, I just had to get it out, right? And then you know, the next time that I did something, it was a little bit better, yeah. and you know, so yeah, it's just fail about, fail yeah, better, fail better, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And the, first, you know, the, first, the first step being good at something is kind of sucking at something. No. I mean, Finn from Adventure Time is 100% right. Or Jake, excuse me, not Finn. And, you
1: know, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at something. It doesn't story make it better. is isn't there, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, how much money did they
2: spend on Cowboys and Aliens? 100%. Which I sort of like. 25 million or something
1: that like that. that movie <laughs> I thought it was fun. Yeah, you can't. Call well, it I fell asleep twice in Prince, Princess, or Prince Valerian in the Thousand Planets. Oh, that's terrible! Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Two
2: hundred and fifty. But I 100%. couldn't figure
1: out what the heck they were talking about. The original Avatar. It was so pretty. But it yes. was so bad little to find out it
3: what was, a big hilarious. mistake it was, was made. It, you know it was it was not terrible it just hit all the though. beats mm-hmm. exactly when you expected them it was a story that had no surprises yeah mm-hmm. I mean it was like had you know, a good villain
2: the villain Stephen Lang's amazing in that movie yeah. but,
3: but he's better than the one when he's a blind guy mm-hmm. at, uh, <laughs> uh,
2: don't breathe yeah yes. don't breathe that's a good oh, movie. yeah and that had a budget
3: of maybe like I would say, it had maybe a three million dollar budget, yeah, something like and that. I would bet a million dollars of it was just to him. Barbarian's
2: another example. I didn't really. Barbarian was not my favorite movie. Some yeah, people really love Barbarian. Okay. It feels like two movies that they smashed together to me, but that doesn't matter because other people really dug it. You know, yeah, and like it's made all this money now.
3: I think Barbarian is notable. I did not like Barbarian, Mm -hmm. but I really appreciated the fact that they broke form. Yeah. So, it's like a movie... Talk about filmmaking rules. Yeah. It's It's like 30 minutes of a movie, and then it stops, and a new movie starts. And then later, you see how they connect. And it's not, you know, it's not groundbreaking. But, like, I I, I really appreciate that, that they Mm -hmm. just said, fuck, fuck the three-act structure. We're going to do it like this, you know. I like like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad that people like the movie, because I... Like how do I might not like it, but yeah, I, I'm
2: not. I'm never. I want to like, succeed. I'm not the gatekeeper. You know? Um, I'm not the guy who says what's good. <clears throat> I have an opinion on what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. And if you liked it, I'm happy for you because, like, I'm glad that somebody enjoyed it because yeah. I certainly did not. Yeah.
3: But you know, in in uh, author author land, when we talk about it, we say I was just not the right audience for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's true. I mean, it's like ultimately, it I was just not the right audience for that for that movie. So yeah. I don't know.
2: Yeah, you know, we got, we got two minutes, but yeah.
1: When you hear about uh, whether to publish yourself or go to a publisher, one of the reasons is supposed to be publisher's a gatekeeper, and yet for an artistic viewpoint, that's a negative, I think, that you, oh, yeah. you know, but you, you have to throw a lot of You have stuff. to make
2: concessions if you're going to go to a publisher.
1: Well, it's, just, yes. it's like it's
2: it's like, or like Hollywood. They're not going to
1: let it's like Hollywood. They're not going to let something through if it's formulaic. Yeah, or something. yeah. But you have to make sure that when you self-publish stuff, that it is grammatically correct. Well, sure. It doesn't have and unfortunately, it's really democratic. a great deal of self-published stuff did not have that no. professional editor. Right, it. right. It, it, that's so that's true. where the the, public, where the gatekeeper it in there. is helpful.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, to, to yeah, but it's like then you pick out the you get gems, the stuff that and might
3: be bland, really but you don't get and, the well. Stone. And I'll say this: and I'm a traditionally published author, so I I went through that method of going through publishers. Um, for me, it was important that my books go uh, in, in bookstores. Mm-hmm. And if if you unless you go through traditional publishing, they have a you know a chokehold on all yep. the distribution. So.
2: You might get in a little mom-and-pop shop here and there, but right, not getting in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. It, it has, has to be Is
1: the thing. Everything's, everything's kind of shrunk yeah. as far
2: as History. the amount of will, stores be, and I stuff. Be, I will be pimping these. Well, things. hey, uh, everybody do, uh, you know, everybody talk about your stuff real
0: quick before we wrap up. So, oh, uh, my latest movie is Revenge of Zoe. It's on Tubi for free.
2: Tubi's amazing. Awesome. Tubi has everything, literally everything, and it's a comedy.
3: We didn't even talk about comedy horror either. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Peckerhead. Next oh time. God, I love that movie. Tremors. Tremors is one of the yeah. best creature features ever. Oh. Um, my name is John Horner Jacobs. I've got like eleven novels, but these are my two uh, most recent um, out. And you can get them in any bookstore. There's none in the, the dealer's room now. No one, no sellers have them. I didn't. They didn't get any. I don't know.
1: Uh, I just got the rights out, back on my stuff from traditional. My publisher went under. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm in the process of working and getting those back out. I'm going to self-publish them, but I'm going to go through Ingram Spark because I want them in the store where I work. <laughs> so.
2: I'm currently selling nothing, but you can come back into this room at 9 p.m. and watch uh, Mary Fuck Kill, um, Universal Monsters, <laughs> if you want. It should, it should
3: be fun. Godzilla. Yeah. All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, everybody. That's
0: not universal. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the 5th Edition and Ragnarok and Roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us
1: for a one-shot game or two.